Does whey protein hurt the kidneys or otherwise hurt our health? This is a clip from a live Q&A session open to CMJ MasterPass members. In addition to this episode, you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description. question comes from, and this is the first runner-up, from Kimberly, who says, A trusted doctor told me long ago to avoid whey protein due to negative effects on the kidneys. I never looked into it as I do not consume it, but I've seen more discussion in recent years. A quick search includes this paper, though I've not read it. There must be a conclusive answer in the literature since it's a highly recommended supplement. Generally speaking, of course, it's is it only unsafe at a certain level? So I'm going to go straight to that paper. And I, you know, my main preparation for this question was to read that paper. So let's go straight to it. I think this is the right one. Wrong one. Maybe this one. Yeah, this is the one. All right. So we're looking at whey protein supplementation and its potentially adverse effects on health, a systematic review. This this paper is is kind of sloppy. Um and it's got, it's not very convincing, but let's go through it. So in the abstract, they say, whey protein is composed of soluble whey proteins and its benefits are well described in the literature. However, there are not many studies investigating the potential adverse effects of a diet with indiscriminate use of this supplement. The aim of this study was to perform a systematic review of papers that address this theme. A search was conducted in Medline, Lilacs talked you know, various databases. In the end, 11 documents composed this review. The majority of the papers associated the damaging effect with the chronic and abusive use of whey protein, the kidneys and liver being the main organs affected. The other studies related whey protein to aggravation of aggression, presence of acne, and modification of the microbiota. Therefore, excessive consumption over a long period of, of protein supplementation may have some adverse effects on the body being aggravated when associated with a sedentary lifestyle. The thing that drives me nuts about this paper is that if you actually read the paper, utterly none of it is very convincing, but they they don't indicate that in the abstract. So they don't, the abstract should be a reflection of what's in the paper. They don't really give, they should have like a sentence at least that covers the limitations of these, of these papers and they, and they don't. But let me just go through a couple of highlights. So, you specifically asked about the effects of kidney function. So, this is what they say. They say the studies of Aparicio et al. and Hattori, Tiselius, and Heidelberg found in this review associate the consumption of a hyperproteic diet with the appearance of kidney problems using respectively animal and human models. Aparicio showed that consumption of a diet supplement of short-term whey protein intake increased plasma urea, urinary volume, and urinary calcium excretion while decreasing pH and urinary citrate. Decreased urinary pH concomitantly with hypocitraturia and hypercalcemia are recognized as risk factors for nephrolithiasis. That's a complicated way of saying low pH and too much citrate and calcium can cause kidney stones. Though this result was not found in Aparicio's study. And then, yeah. 
Regarding renal function, the main concern is the possible overload of the kidneys due to an increase in the pressure and rate of glomerular filtration from a high-protein diet since urea, the main product of protein metabolism, is excreted by this organ. However, a systematic review by Martin 2005 shows that renal hyperfiltration can be an adaptive mechanism and therefore would not cause damage to the organism of healthy individuals. Another systematic review, in this case of experimental studies, points out that the use and supplementation of whey protein does not alter the kidney biomarkers, such as creatinine and urea, and does not change histological tissue on renal glomeruli and tubules as well. So, (laughs) you know, I mean, just look at what they're saying here. They're saying that one person did a study in rats. They discuss the rat study, and they don't discuss the human study at all. Then they go on to say that the greatest harms found by the rat study have been shown to not be harmful in people who don't have kidney disease already and might be beneficial. And then they say that there is an an existing systematic review of experimental studies that shows that whey protein doesn't do any of this in humans. Right. So even the section on kidney disease, basically, we don't even know what the Hattori, Teselius, and Heidelberg study is showing. Now, I did look up this human paper that they cite. And so let me let me show you that paper. So this is Hattori, Teselius, and Heidelberg, 2017. Let me pull this up real quick. So the... All right, so this paper, actually, you know what? I, I can't bring it up as, as fast as I thought it was going to be. I'll just tell you what I found. So in this paper, they noted that some people had their urine pH go down and some people had their urinary calcium go up. But if you look at the table, there was no, no difference between whey protein and albumin, which was used as a control, right? So if you're looking at does whey protein versus any other type of protein do these things, they used albumin as a control for that. And there was no difference in in the urine calcium or the urine pH. So protein in general is, I will say outside of this paper, protein in general does have the capacity to increase urine uh, urine calcium and it does have the ability to decrease urine pH. And that's because sulfur amino acids are metabolized to in part sulfuric acid, which can lower the urine pH. Lowering the urine pH is a risk factor for kidney stones because a low urine pH increases the formation of calcium oxalate stones, although a high urine pH above seven can increase the formation of calcium phosphate stones. So you do want your urine pH to largely be between 6.4 and 6.8. I think it's fine if it's like 5.5 when you wake up. But after you eat, it should be 6.4 to 6.8 for the rest of the day. But that's not an effect. First of all, whey protein versus albumin had no effect in that paper 
and you know they they said like in in a some people with whey protein it went up but in other people it went down if you look at their data and there was no difference right so that paper does not shed any light on any harms of whey protein however just generally speaking you do want your protein balanced with your potassium because potassium is a general correlate of the alkalinizing organic acids such as citrate and malate in foods. And so if your protein and your potassium intake are balanced, you, you should not have your urine pH change. And on my, if you go to chrismasterjohnphd.com um, and you go to tools, There should be a database on balancing protein and potassium. So I believe it's the getting potassium on low-carb diets. If you search that, is, is this the one? Maybe it's the one on... You know what? It might be the one on, on carnivore diets. Um, I don't know that why that's not in my menu. I gotta fix that, but I'm gonna search my website for potassium carnivore. That brings up getting potassium on carnivore diets. Yeah, okay. So if you do a search of chrismasterjohnphd.com for potassium carnivore, you'll get the, the database getting potassium on a carnivore diet. However, that only has carnivore foods. So I probably um you, it really doesn't matter because that's a specific concern on a carnivore diet. Um, that database really isn't good on mixed diet because the potassium is largely going to come from like from fruits and vegetables. So anyway, um, let's see what I if I see what I recommended there though. Um, so I. I recommended there, and I think this is a general rule across the board, you want 750 to 1500 milligrams of potassium for every 100 grams of protein. And so that's that's not a specific issue with whey protein, but it, but it does cover the theoretical risk to the kidneys from a high-protein diet in a healthy person. Now, the increase in urinary calcium, some people have thought that that was an effect from leaching calcium out of the bone, and some of it might be, but Jane Kerstetter at the University of Farm, uh, Connecticut at Farmington did a number of studies showing that A, high-protein diets are good for the bones, and B, a lot of that urinary calcium comes from increasing calcium absorption from food as an effective protein. All right, so let's go back to this, uh, this paper. Effects of, on liver protein. So. They cite three animal studies showing that whey protein can increase liver enzymes. I didn't even look those up because I thought that they don't even sound like they're useful. So first of all, human studies haven't shown that. Animal studies are probably using unrealistic amounts of it. But more to the point, an increase in protein can increase these so-called liver enzymes just because those enzymes role in the liver is gluconeogenesis. On a high-protein diet, you're probably going to have more gluconeogenesis. And I myself showed that on high fructose diets, liver enzymes trended up in rats when I fed them 60% fructose. But then, you know, my my advisor wanted me to say this was in a negative effect on the liver, but I was like, 
you know, I found evidence that anything that increases gluconeogenesis can increase these without a negative effect on the liver and fructose increases gluconeogenesis. So I don't think we can say that. So we then took the liver to um, the guy on my committee, Jose Manitao, who's a, a world-class expert in acetaminophen tox- toxicity. And he's, he worked on toxicology within the pharmacology department. And so he he looked at like every everything we could look at for signs of toxicity in the liver. And there were just their livers were slightly bigger, but there was no difference in any qualitative thing you could say about the appearance of the liver that could say that there was any harm to it. Um, so slight increases in liver enzymes aren't evidence of liver toxicity on their own, but this is only found in animal models. Um, and then they do cite one case report that a young, healthy male patient developed a deep hepatic cholestasis associated with the presence of jaundice without any type of biliary obstruction or hemolysis due to prolonged use of protein supplements being whey protein and creatine. And I looked at that paper and they claim in their case report that this is a case of idiosyncratic drug-induced liver injury from a combination of whey protein, creatine, and nitric oxide boosters that this guy was taking for recreational bodybuilding who denied taking anabolic steroids, though who knows. And by definition, idiosyncratic drug-induced liver injury, I don't know if these are drugs, but whatever, is not related to the dose and it's not related to the time on the drug. So they're basically saying this is an idiosyncratic reaction that is not a standard dose-dependent toxicity that is not necessarily replicable in other people but they didn't they didn't give any clear evidence that that was the case so they you know they took him off the things and they and they treated him for the jaundice and he improved and he went back to bodybuilding but he didn't go back on the supplements and it didn't come back but didn't that have any clear evidence of cause and effect the last thing i point out is that um Jose Manitao has done some controlled studies of very very high Sorry, not Jose Manitao. Um, <laughs> Jose Manitao was was on was the guy the guy on my committee. Um, forgot his last name. That he was the head of maybe still is the head of ISSN, International Society for Sports Nutrition, and uh, Jose Antonio. Sorry, so Jose Antonio has done some very high protein feeding studies in healthy people. Let me see if I can pull those up. And basically shown that they don't do anything uh, harmful. So for example, he's got a high protein diet has no harmful effects. A one-year crossover study in resistance trained males from 2016 in the Journal of Nutritional Nutrient Metabolism. And they fed, it was a randomized crossover study. They consumed their habitual or normal diet for two months and four months and alternated that with a higher protein diet, three grams per kilogram body weight, which is 
Um, if you divide that by 2.2, that's 1.36 grams per pound of body weight. So for someone who weighs 150 pounds, that's 204 grams of protein. Um, and they measured blood lipids and all all indices of liver and kidney function and found that nothing was impacted. You know, so whether whether someone might have some decrease in their liver or kidney function on a high protein diet is going to be very idiosyncratic. You do have to eat, you know, restrict protein if you have established kidney disease, but there's no evidence that protein causes kidney dysfunction or liver dysfunction. Um and there's no reason to think that whey protein has any specific effect that is negative versus protein in general. Um, so my short answer to this question is perhaps in people who have harm to their kidneys, they might need to restrict protein in accordance with the medical treatment. But there's no evidence that high-protein diets cause kidney dysfunction I do believe there's reasons to balance protein with potassium-rich foods in the diet, specifically 750 to 1,500 milligrams of potassium from food per 100 grams of protein. But outside of that, I don't have any specific concerns about, whey, about protein in general or whey protein specifically. Although I will say that I have covered in a previous podcast on ornithine transcarbamylase dysfunction, that there are some some small percentage of, of, of people who have a polymorphism in the OTC gene that probably are, are going to do better on a more moderate protein diet. Um, but that's all I have to say on that question. This is a clip from a live Q&A session open to CMJ Masterpass members. In addition to this episode, you can access lots of other free samples from these sessions at the first link in the description. If you want to become a Masterpass member so that you can participate in the next live Q&A, or so that you can have access to the complete recording and transcript of each Q&A session, you can join at chrismasterjohnphd.com masterpass. You can save 10% off the subscription price for as long as you remain a member, by signing up at chrismasterjohnphd.substack.com slash Q&A. That's Q&A spelled out as Q-A-N-D-A. These links are in the description.